are Locked On Spartans, your daily podcast on the Michigan State Spartans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Locked on Spartans Nation, how on earth are we all doing on this fantastic Tuesday? Thanks a ton for joining us and making us your first listen. I am joined, if you're watching on YouTube, you already know this. If you're listening on the podcast, hey, anyway, you're taking it. Hey, first of all, thank you. Thank you all very much. Second of all, we are joined by the one, the only, Dave Klein, who uh, might have thrown his back out playing basketball earlier today. His internet is kind of on the fritz, and his favorite college basketball team might have three scholarship players going into next season. With that said, DK, how you doing, man? You doing okay? Yeah, man. All things considered, I'm doing well. You know, the news didn't really shock me today with Max Christie's decision. I think that I've been pretty vocal that I thought it was coming down the pipeline. It was a matter of time. I guess it's nice to just get that out there. And, you know, the thoughts of maybe him returning now have completely closed. And so now it's time to just move on forward. So There's something to just ripping the Band-Aid off, right? I mean, the only surprise really is that it came before the combine. I thought that, you know, there would at least be the shot that he does come back. Maybe if he doesn't hear everything he wants to after testing, but it didn't even wait till that one. So, okay, cool. Sweet. Yep. <laughs> Thanks. Man. Appreciate it. I mean, I thought maybe there's a small possibility. He doesn't get the feedback that he wants to hear. Um, he's going to end up getting drafted. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Mm-hmm. It's in a position, you know, if I had to guess somewhere between 35 and 45, I think that that's probably where he ends up landing. I know that they've begun to increase the guaranteed money, I think up till I want to say 40. I don't know if it's all the way up to 45, mm-hmm. but he'll land somewhere. And it's just a matter of, is he going to be able to stick around? You know, I think he's going to sure. end up playing a couple you know, probably years in the G League. I think physically he's he's still a ways away. Not that he can't develop in the NBA, NBA but um, it's a circumstance where if he ends up in the wrong franchise that isn't patient, um, you know, he goes down to the G League and he gets beat up a little bit. It, it's, it's a bit of a riskier decision, I think, you know, but then maybe he comes back and doesn't have the year that we think he could possibly have as a sophomore and maybe his stock falls even more. So it's, it's a difficult decision for these kids. And this one, you know, it's tough, I think, as a Michigan State fan, because you're all excited from, you know, the moment that he commits. You kind of, you know, he chooses us over Duke. It was a circumstance where he was billed as like a high-level, you know, sniper from beyond the Doesn't really give you any of that this season. Shoots 31% from deep, I think below 30% in conference play. I thought all the time and the minutes and what he learned this season was going to be, you know, for the purposes of building towards next year. And now we don't, you know, get that second year out of him. And so it's a, it's a really weird position, I think, to be in as just a fan in general of the program. Like, how do you, how do you take this, I guess? <laughs> yeah. And of course that's like where I'm coming from too, like as a fan and like a lot of my opinions right now, like are just very like childish and like borderline immature, but that that's what being a sports fan is, right? Like, listen, I, I wish a kid luck by all accounts seems like a great kid. Hey, he, he was on the show before last year, but I like it. I'm, I'm bummed. This is a huge bummer. Like, yeah, Hey, go, go get your money. But like, that was kind of underwhelming. Wasn't it? That seemed to be the most underwhelming tenure for a high profile kid, let alone a five-star to walk through Michigan state. And that kind of just leaves a weird taste in the mouth. Like, Oh, we, 
not all the, the the juice was squeezed out of that lemon there. That there was a lot to be desired with what was going on. Unless unless, unless you were enamored by his stretch from the Oakland game to the what Minnesota game or Maryland game, four games after, like, and then the first half at home against Michigan. But other than that, it's like, whew, okay. Yeah, huh. I guess I guess what would you point to like the lasting legacy moment for the one year that he's here? Like, I, I think it's different. Like when you get a guy yeah. like Darren Jackson, you get a guy like Miles Bridges. Like, yeah. I think that maybe that's the craziest thing, right? Miles loved it so much he wanted to come back for two, even though really he would have gone about where he would have either way if he left after yeah. one or two. And you have a kid who came in and you thought, you know, I, you interviewed him. I, I heard all the interviews that he did. Super mature. Seemed like it totally. was a process-driven thing where, you know, he, he was going to make the right decision for him and, and his family. And I don't know. It's hard for me to say that this is 100% the right decision. I'm not I'm not going to be counting some other kid's money if he gets drafted. I just think he's in a risky situation where if he goes to the wrong organization that doesn't have the patience um, that needs to develop him because I think physically he's probably two to three years away. Not saying that spending all that time in an NBA franchise can't get you more prepared than if you were in college. Mm-hmm. I just think that there's more of an investment, a time investment, a financial investment when you get drafted in the first round. Not saying that guys can't wash out in the first round either, but the team really puts more financial and time investment into those guys than they do in the mid to later second round guys. That's yeah. just a fact. So it will be something to monitor for him, but I'm with you. I mean, this it was an underwhelming season. He was handed the keys to the castle, most minutes per game played, most shots in conference. You know, Izzo did basically everything. He had the kid gloves on the entire time with him, and this right. is just recruiting now in this day and age, and maybe that's part of the reason why Izzo stayed out of the, you know, the five-star waters because you just never know what you're going to get. And now this, you know, was a one and done situation. He's out the door and you, like you said, you didn't squeeze out the maximum potential for that kid in college. And it wasn't for a lack of effort or a lack of playing time or shot attempts or anything like that. It was just a matter of, he wasn't physically capable of playing a, you know, a 20 game big 10 slate. So I guess good luck in in the G League with you know 25, 26, 27 year olds, grown men trying to put food on their table. Right. Uh, it's it's going to be a very right. it's going to be a very eye opening transition, I think, for him. Again, you land in the right organization. You know, I've seen a lot of people throw out you know the Jordan Poole stuff, and that's fair. That's you know he he ended up playing some time in the G League. He went to maybe yeah. one of the organizations organizations, if not the best. They were patient, he developed, and now here he is in a perfect system for him. That's like less than 1% of like the, the franchises out there. You know what I mean? Like right. five to six franchises, I think you can say that the front offices are completely stable. You trust the process, trust the draft picks. You know, like the Miami Heat, even the Spurs that they've struggled, they've had such a good and strong organization for a while. The Warriors, you know, the Grizzlies are beginning to have drafted pretty well and starting to build a team. There's some, there's some franchises out there, but for every good franchise, there's a franchise like the Sacramento Kings. Where, you know, you look like a Nick Stauskas ends up kind of washing out of the league. I think he was on the Celtics bench for this run. He's been like, you know, the 13th guy, something like that. But no it, idea. it's a situation okay. where I thought he was a clear-cut guy that was going to come into the league, had a, had a very defined role, ends up landing in the wrong spot. And that's just some of the luck of being able to get drafted, right? You can't really choose where you go. Um, and so it's a situation where Max really needs to find himself in a good spot because if he lands in the wrong organization, it, it wouldn't surprise me if he washed out, even though I think that his toolkit 
when he eventually physically develops is going to be of a, you know, a solid wing role player. I, I do believe that. So, yeah. And I love the Jordan Poole example too. And like, I, I'm going to pull actually a few Michigan players names right now. And I'm swear I'm not trolling. Like they just have a good amount of players that, you know, left after a year or two that maybe could have benefited from a year after Jordan Poole. Great success story. That's awesome. Good for him. But for every one of those, there's how many DJ Wilson's, for example, Iggy Brasdakis, like, it just, just cautionary tales like that were like, yeah, that's you, sure you're in the NBA. And listen, all these kids, Christy included, like they have all made more money in their first contract than I'll probably see in my entire life. So like this, this is not slights, you know, if, if anyone's thrown off or thinks I'm being rude, take solace in that right there. But that's kind of the debate, right? Like what's better just getting up. 22 minutes per game in Sioux Falls with just like you said, a bunch of like 25, 26 year old guys actually have families or maybe you play four minutes a game in the NBA or is it coming back to a big program or even just not even a big program, a program in general in college being the man. Cause there'd be no debate next year. He was going to be the man and work for, or not work for, but play for a hall of fame coach, Tom Izzo. Like seems to me option B seems a lot more desirable, but again, I, I, don't get me wrong, like, I get the allure of the NBA, but also, I, I'm just kind of puzzled. Like, it seems like, maybe I'm reading the situation wrong, and, like, I'm doing the worst thing in the world, which is just speculating, but, like, it seems like some people in that camp weren't too happy with the freshman season, and that's, if I had to boil this all down to one word, it's just puzzling. Because just like just like everything you said, he played the most minutes, he got the most shots up, never was blamed for anything Izzo always spoke very highly of him never seen Izzo speak like this about any player in my entire life uh, and then like they're just they, they seem like a little like and eh, now we're you know this year wasn't for us this was not a good experience for us like I, it's just all puzzling to me I'm not talking I'm kind of the same boat we did I didn't really expect yeah. and then all the chatter came out basically right at the end of the season that you know mom wasn't happy with the way that it went to camp you know, wanted to pursue the NBA and stay in it. And I don't know who's to say, I guess time will tell whether it's a bad decision or not, but I don't, you know, right off the cuff. I just think, you know, he, he could have really placed himself in a more firm position heading in, you know, to sophomore year, had a nice season of development. And I think he would have eventually gotten there and maybe been comfortably in, you know, kind of like the top 20 picks, but uh, who knows now, who knows what'll happen. And, I think it caught the the you know the staff by a little bit of surprise. I think that they've known probably for the last couple of months, which is why mm-hmm. they've sued you know at least a couple of people, I guess, in the portal. But I, I think that it caught them a bit by surprise by the way that the season. I think that this was a situation where they really thought they were getting him for two years, and they they need to adjust and adapt very quickly. And they haven't shown that they're going to do that yet. And I'm very curious to, to see exactly where it goes from here, because from all I've heard that the next decision that they're going to make is sliding their best power forward up to the small forward position. And that's how this can start the season. And I, I have mixed feelings about that. Right? Yeah. The entire off season has, has gone, you know, a couple of subpar years. And now we're, we're entering into a situation where the conference is going to be down as a whole. No reason why you couldn't have competed for a big 10 title. If you go out and you get a center, you go out and get a little wing depth. And now, you know, are they still a top four team in the conference? You know, I've really looked at pretty hard at the talent. The talent is getting sucked out of the conference. There's a ton going to the NBA. There's a ton that's graduating. Oh, yeah. You know, I think Michigan State's probably still a top four or five team. 
I think they're only going to get five to six teams in the tourney this next year. I really think it's going to be a down year for the conference. So in a year where you've just had two subpar years, you'd hope that the staff would really be aggressive about addressing some of the needs that are clearly there. And we haven't seen that. And I guess that's been the the biggest disappointment. Um, you know, his, his desire to win with the guys that he's recruited rather than continuing to supplement what they do with some of the portal guys is, has been a bit frustrating on our end too. I mean, what would you give a grade for this offseason to date for this? Oh, you know, Bingham and, Bingham and Brown both could have potentially come back for a fifth season. I, I didn't really expect either one to do it. Right. Mark ends up transferring. You lose Chrissy to the draft. Um, you Joey Houser's back though. Joey Hauser and Davis Smith pulled his name out of the transfer portal. He's back oh, too. DK. Okay. In there. I, mean, if I, w- I would say this. When Marble decided to enter the portal for me, it was like, okay, they have, they've got no choice now, right? Like they lost Bingham and Marble. They have right. no choice. <laughs> right. It seems pretty clear that they're just going to roll the dice with what they have. Um, I think Jackson Kohler is going to be a very exciting freshman. I can't wait to see him. Uh, I have no idea what Matty Sissoko is going to give us this year. I think that that's terrifying. They're a, an injury away from either Hall, Hauser, or Kohler to having almost no depth whatsoever in the front court. And I don't know. It's it's just a little bit it's a little bit frustrating from a fan base perspective where it's like, okay, you've had two bad seasons in a row. Now it's time to, you know, really hit the portal hard. You gotta you gotta add what you need, what you're missing. And you know, now a lot of the wings from the portal have kind of gone and they've committed elsewhere. And I really don't know. I, I think that Michigan State's still gonna look to try to find somebody to replace, but the pool is shrinking by the day. They still don't have an assistant coach. It's been almost six weeks. I just don't – there's no urgency after two seasons in a row, and that's that's been my biggest disappointment. Where Where's the sense of the urgency being shown by the staff? And and we haven't seen it in yeah. – I get it, man. I, I, I get it completely, 100%. Because, yeah, I, like I think we're pretty much in lockstep with how this offseason has been going. And everyone's got different opinions. I think – Maybe the majority is with that this offseason has not been good. And, of course, you know, there's a minority that it, it's somewhat justified that says it's fine. And Izzo, we trust. You guys are, are being too down. He's got a plan. But it's just like, does he? Like, I don't I don't know. Like, listen, Jackson Kohler rolls his ankle. Like, we're looking at 24 minutes a night from Malik Carr at the five. Like, this is not a good situation here. Like, it's, yeah. it's getting scary. And, like, this is my biggest thing with Christy – leaving for the draft as far as like a roster thing and what MSU looks like next year. It, it's not even like what you're losing on that starting five. It's who's your best sixth man now, because going into the season, if you had Christie, Jaden Akins as your sixth man is dynamite for sixth man. And now your sixth man off the bench. Is it Pierre Brooks? Is it Keon Coleman? Like, I, I don't know who it is. Like it's, yeah. it's kind of scary. So like, yeah, that's still uh, not sure what they end up doing at the shooting guard position, right? Do they play Walker beside him? Right. Does he'll come off the bench. Does Aiken start? I think you know that's that's the question that'll be answered this summer, probably. And and maybe Walker ends up being the the, the six man kind of microwave guy off the bench. But I, I think you're right. I think yeah. that the six guys I feel really comfortable about. I think Pierre Brooks has every opportunity to take a big step this year, and they're he going has to. to. So, <laughs> right. And I think he has Matt- to was in the same boat and it's difficult for us as a fan base because we are not in every practice right we don't know what is going behind the scenes how guys are looking and maybe there just wasn't enough pt to go around 
uh, last year. But it, it scares me a little bit that Matty Sissoko still hasn't 100% looked like put together on either side of the four. They, they lost to center. They had one less center on, on the roster than he they did when he was a freshman, and he played less minutes. I don't think that that's a glowing endorsement by the staff either. So there's, there's just a lot of eggs in the developmental basket, and I think – you know, from a fan base perspective, when there was so many guys that hit the portal and guys that could absolutely contribute to to the roster, you know, there's yeah. uh, they didn't even have to go out and get a starting center. If they just got some guy that was 6'10", 250 pounds, played at a lower level to be able to bring a body in here and kind of bang with some of the Hunter Dickinsons, the TJDs, the Zach Edies of the world. I think that would have gone a long way, and you know they're looking like they're not going to juice to to do so. And I think, honestly, I think that you know the Carson Cooper redshirt is one injury away from being burned. A oh, guy yeah. stay an extra year in high school and continue to develop, and now that's going to be your center option. And I, who knows what he is long term? But I think for the short term here and now. The staff speaking to the fact that they want to redshirt him clearly means that they don't believe he's ready to contribute next year. And uh, I don't, I don't know if that was the solution for the center problem. That that kind of feels a little bit like I don't, I don't know how to want to say this, but like oh, the fan base isn't stupid. <laughs> like right. you grabbing Carson Cooper and going, "Job's done at the center, Job's boys." <laughs> Got him for a couple years down the way. We're going to redshirt him, but don't you worry. We got it all figured out. Like, I, it, It's hard not to have some trust, but the last couple years have shaken, you know, I think me and the fan base in general, I, I would say, have just been a little bit shaking about the trajectory of where the program's going. I thought this was a pivotal offseason, and right now if we were grading what has occurred in the offseason – it's a failing grade for me. It's they've they've lost a bunch of guys. They haven't replaced them. I like that the rotation is going to get tighter. If we're looking for some silver linings, um, yeah, no choice now. I mean, they have nine guys, so yeah, the rotation will be tight, and you just got to hope that everybody that you think can pop pops, and maybe you have a good season. But I just didn't think I don't think it makes sense when there's not enough insurance at any of the positions, and that's. That's maybe the most baffling thing to me. Like you just watched, like how nice would it have been to have like a Daryl Morsell last year when Christie was struggling or Bron goes through his shooting slump. They had nobody sure. to play, you know, in that spot. They could have maybe gone to Aikens, but they didn't on the bench. So I don't know. I don't know. I'm not quite sure what the staff is doing. And I guess, you know, this is going to be one of those seasons where I think we're just going to, it's going to be a wait and see. Cause I think it either goes very well or I don't think it goes well at all. And I would be really surprised if there's an in-between this one. It feels like, it feels like all the cars are being pushed, you know, all the chips are in the middle of the table for the staff and just doubling down on the stubbornness and we'll see what happens, I guess. It's so crazy. It could work limited rotation there is a line if you could have Hogarth surrounded by you know shooters like Tyson Walker Aikens Hall and Hauser all the same lineup yeah they'd probably get absolutely scored on every time that they're on defense but hey you could put up three points on offense every time that five some rolls down the court so uh, we should do a full episode where we just talk ourselves into a national championship at some point. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, yeah. So much to like about the guard play. I think that's the frustration. We saw, you know, you saw UNC's run. You saw a couple other programs just go kind of on the backs of some yeah. nice guard play run. Yeah. Michigan State has some really good ones. I, I think, you know, 
you have Hogard, you have Walker, you have Akins. I think Trey Holloman, who's an incoming freshman, is going to be really good for them. Like, that's a really, really solid position. Uh, two-way guys at basically both the one and the two. And, you know, you have a solid power forward position. And then just the wing in the center is a big question mark. And if you went and filled those, I think everybody would just be pretty ecstatic heading into this. Into yeah. So, no doubt. So, well, I, I just want to get one take off and to get your opinion on it in a, here in a hot second. But, DK, I got to send you to the bench, unfortunately, because I got to talk to fine people about betonline.net. That's right. We got some awesome Eastern Conference Finals basketball. Celtics, Heat. It's going to be great. Golden State Warriors are taking on, I assume, the Phoenix Suns. I did not watch that game seven, but I'm sure it went all fine and well in Phoenix. You could bet on all that. They got great props, great lines, great everything at BetOnline because they're your number one source for all your sports betting needs and info. Find all the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including this year's basketball playoffs, Major League Baseball scores, fights, and even next season's NFL futures. That's right. It's all at BetOnline, your continued source for all your sports wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. So head to the website today. Use your mobile device. Learn more about the trends and action. That is at BetOnline where the game starts dk i missed you as we welcome you back um i get to, uh thank you yeah i didn't completely fumble over myself 85 times like i've been doing uh all last week so that's a uh, small win on this uh beautiful monday here so take them where we can get them these days um I get this news that Max Christie is staying in the draft uh, right before my son's swim class starts. And during the swim class, of course, like a good father I am, I'm just staring despondently into the distance, um, wondering, oh, God, just everything. 49,000 thoughts run through my head. And one of them was this. Like, usually when this happens, player leaves early for the draft. Like, the, the rhetoric is that, well, this is actually good for the program. You want kids to go to the NBA draft. And, like, that's true. I feel like 93% of the time, but I feel like we're in the 7% here because, and hear me out, I'm going to ramble just a, a tad bit longer. Like Aaron Henry, like this is the latest example, Aaron Henry went to the draft after three years, but that just made sense because, okay, he maximized his development there, but not only that, he did come here as a three-star. And you saw Izzo mold this guy from a three-star into an NBA prospect. That's a win for the program. You can say it was Xavier Tillman too. I know he was a four-star, but still molded him into an NBA player. Jaron Jackson, last one and done. At least he stayed in the lottery, though, in his time here. Now you got a situation where a five-star walks in, didn't necessarily get everything you wanted out of him in your year here. Kind of screwed for the roster next season, but from an NBA perspective and a recruiting perspective, I guess, like this five-star just turned into a guy that's going to get picked like 39th overall. Like that's... It's just bad look all around, and, like, I don't know. Do you get the same vibe that, like, this is not one of those times where, hey, this is great, MC's going to get another player drafted, or are you actually? Yeah, I don't think it moves the needle a ton. Um, You know, I I think Michigan's probably a bit in the same boat, though, because Caleb Houston came into the season. Oh, yeah, totally. You know, like, lottery pick preseason, and sometimes just the high school recruiting misses. I mean, there's just misses. This is a circumstance where maybe some of the level of competition, at least for Max, was maybe not properly allocated. Some of the buckets he's getting against the suburban league that he played in, where he's the five man back of the zone, maybe we didn't, <laughs> um, yeah. you know, just appreciate that and his ability to create separation from guys that 
you know, we're nowhere near like high quality level high school players, let alone, you know, high level D1 athletes. So I think we saw a little bit of that. But yeah, I, I agree generally with you. This isn't one where I think you're, you know, really putting a feather in the cap for the program on this. Um, but this is just kind of the way that it goes. You know, think about every guy that we got two years out of, maybe that we we shouldn't have in some spots, you know, the Gary Harris's, the Miles Bridges. And this is just the decision that goes the other way. And I think that this, I think it's becoming increasingly, increasingly harder for coaches to maintain rosters intact, um, yeah. to guys who are fringe NBA guys in college. And it's just a situation where, you know, you hope that Michigan State starts wielding some of the NIL, which, you know, you hope that the the university as a whole allows allows a little bit more leeway for that. And I, I think Mel Tucker is going to 100% adopt and roll into that very heavily. And you just have to hope that the program uh, for hoops follows suit because I think that's where the weird, real advantage is, right, for coaches that don't cheat or get dirty. Yeah. If you can, if you can pay some of your players while doing the recruiting that you're doing, the hard work recruiting, I think it goes hand in hand. So, this is just a very interesting time. I think this is honestly one of the more interesting times for Michigan State basketball that we've had in a while. We're kind of seeing the end of a legacy coach, and what does that look like exactly the next couple of years? And, and at what point in time is there a transition? Because I, I don't see him doing a Coach K reunion tour. You know, maybe it's a, it's a season where he just has another one and he's done. You know, could it be this next year or two years from now? I don't, I don't know 100% an answer to that because there's certain amount of stubbornness and just a will to win that, yeah. that he still has. But I think the, the more and more it gets difficult to maintain rosters and to be able to recruit kids the way that he's always done it, it's going to be difficult for him to continue to participate in the way that college basketball is being shaped. And we just saw Jay Wright go out, you know, two national titles, final four. He probably could have coached for another 10 years and he just got ground out. So who's to say Izzo has more than a couple of years left, or maybe he's got five to seven. We, we honestly don't know at this point, do we? Like there's a, there's a percentage of me though, that like a single percent that we could wake up tomorrow morning and like, yeah, he's just done. Like I'm old enough got enough money, accomplished way more than a lot of coaches have ever accomplished. This isn't for me, but also like he's more likely to coach another 20 years than he is to do that. Right. So like, is he's, uh, he is who he is and he, he's, he's relentless. He, he does the relentless attitude, maybe not necessarily the transfer portal, but um, <laughs> in, in, in just his, his way of life. So yeah, DK, before I let you go, I finally catch some sleep as it is coming up to midnight right now. What's made you smile this off season? Because this has been a very sad episode. Oh, and we're speaking honestly, though. Like, yeah. agree or disagree? Like, this is this is genuinely our thoughts here, and like, we're not hyping this up to be like all doom and gloom just for kicks and giggles. Like, I, I don't like being this miserable. <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. I mean, it's difficult to know because you know the season ends. Guys put in individual work. They're still doing group work. My understanding is I think almost everybody's home right now. And I think that the okay. camp picks back off like end of May, beginning of June. They're going to get, get back into it. I'm curious to hear like just thoughts on what Jackson Kohler is going to look like and how they think yeah. his goal is going to be. I think if you're looking at one kind of swing piece on top of Jaden Akins, who, again, I think we both agree, you know, huge ability to have a, an upside year. You know, totally. I put something not, not too long ago before we hopped on here that 
if you would have given Jaden Akins the minutes and the shots that Christie got, I think Michigan State would have been a better team at the end of the season. And I think that's just a yeah. fact. Rebounds harder. He plays a little bit harder defense. That some of the intangible stuff um, sure. would have been ahead of the game, and so we didn't really get to see that. The staff can't make that mistake again. They need to play him heavy minutes. They need to give him a bunch of touches. I honestly think if you're looking at like a guy that could take them to the next level, I think it's him. Um, and I also think that if you can get like 25 minutes per game out of Jackson Kohler, and he's just an absolute bucket offensively, he's a guy that can score, you know, 10 points, 11 points. Some games, maybe he pops off for 16, 17. Um, but if he averages somewhere around 10 and six, and you have at least an offensive stability to that position, again, I think it's going to go a long way. I, I really worry about the two point field goal defense, which has been bad the last couple of years. Um, I, I think that this team is probably not going to be very good defensively because the front court is just not athletic and there's just not right. a, a couple guys that I can just point to that be like, I know they're going to go out and just like grab a ton of boards for this team. They've kind of gotten beat up a little bit, but I do think that this team can be pretty darn good offensively. They have a lot of skill. Um, they have got a point guard that kind of stirs the drink for everybody. So I, I think the most exciting part of this offseason for me will be watching the development of some of these guys, seeing how the staff ends up starting whom. And um, I'm, I'm fascinated to see what ends up happening in the center spot. I really am because Maddie Sissoko is going to need to take a big leap. Jackson Kohler is going to need to be the real deal from day one uh, for this not to turn into a very frightening season. So um, the staff apparently has faith, and I guess I guess we will see. <laughs> in in Jaden Akins, we trust, and in Dave Klein, SpartanHoops.com, we listen to. Let's go, baby. DK, thanks. Th- 12.02 a.m. right now. Thank you so much for recording this late, man. Really do appreciate and it. Um, you're, you're the best, DK. People love listening to you. People love watching now. That's right, because this is a YouTube function now, DK, as you know, so... Folks, we'll be back tomorrow. I think uh, we're going to do another Memory Lane series. This is with Joe Rex Road, and we're going to talk about John L. Smith for the entire episode tomorrow. So you want more Spartan happiness in our lives. Tune in tomorrow as well. That'll be a fun one. So looking forward to that one. Hard. It's going to be a fun one. It'll be a hoot and a half. Well, DK, until next time, you're the best. Everyone go check him out. SpartanHoops.com. He does incredible work over there. Much, Sheehan. I'll talk to you soon. Absolutely. See you, Go wide. Let's go.